TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 483, and I'm Libby, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Wadenopolis. This is Tom. I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hey, this is Peter. I live in uh, Hollywood, and I write for Why So Blue. All right, let's start off with the big news. Uh, Disney did a big info dump for their investors meeting this week and announced all the things. There is so much that they announced that it's actually really kind of daunting. But we'll start off with uh, some of their companies, which we'll start off with Hulu. Hulu, which is owned primarily by Disney right now, um, said that they're going to be getting more movies like Palm Strings and Happiest Season. They also announced that they're renewing um, Handmaid's Tale for season four. Five? Five. Right? Yep, season five. five. Uh, and that uh, only murders in the building with Selena Gomez, Martin Short, Steve Martin. Um, they are doing a drama called The Dropout starring Kate McKinnon. McKinnon? Yep, McKinnon. Uh, and then Dope Sick which will look at the opiate crisis starring Michael Keaton, Peter Skarsgård, and Rosario Dawson. And David E. Kelly's mystery called Nine Perfect Strangers, which will be starring Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy. So that's Hulu. Moving on to FX. FX oh, ne- I, I read an article saying that a, a lot of 20th pictures and searchlight pictures will be going will be branded as will be going to Hulu. Oh, okay. So that's why they're getting all those movies. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Uh FX Networks uh announced that Atlanta and It's Always Sunny is coming back in the new season and It's Always Sunny has been renewed for a grand total of four more seasons which will make it the longest running live action sitcom. Through well, season 18, which is yes. crazy. My god. Uh Hulu is also doing, uh, not Hulu, sorry, FX. It's also doing something called The Old Man, which will star Jeff Bridges. Ryan Murphy's anthology, American Horror Stories, is back. Uh, BJ Novak has an anthology called The Platform. Taka Watiti has a comedy about Native American teenagers in Oklahoma called Reser- Reservation Dogs. Uh, <laughs> And then they said maybe Why the Last Man will actually go into production since it keeps changing showrunners. Uh, Shogun, which is a series from Justin Marks and Rachel Kondo, is based on James Clevel's novel Landgraf, described as a real-life Game of Thrones, which deals with feudal Japan. Um, They've done it as a miniseries already. Like, back in the 70s, wasn't it? I don't know. Richard Chamberlain started yeah. it. Yeah, Shogun? Yeah, Shogun. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was with uh, Chamberlain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, and now moving on to Lucas Films. Now here's all the Star Wars news. Some of you have probably heard about all of this, but okay, The Mandalorian is getting two spinoffs. Uh, Rangers of the New Republic, uh, which I'm assuming will be dealing with what is her name? Car? What is her name? Cara? Cara Dune. Cara Dune will be. I'm assuming she will be the center of that. The Rangers of the New Republic. We are also getting a show called Ahsoka, which I think a bunch of us predicted, which will be starring Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tanu. Um, and so people are like, "Woo, crossovers! Come on!" No, they they've said Filoni said that there will be a culminating crossover between Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and Rangers of the New Republic. Oh, okay. It's a, okay then. Uh, now we're also getting a Rogue One spinoff series called Andor, which is the series that no one asked for. Oh come uh, on! I did not ask. I did not like Ranger. Uh, what is it called? You didn't like Rogue One. I did not like Rogue One. Oh, dude! I loved Rogue One, but the, the the trouble with Andor is that I mean, I I like the character that they're featuring, but it's you know how everything ends. Yeah, I don't find I that mean, interesting. whatever they do, you know where this is going. So yeah, it's, so I'm not moved by that. I I don't know. Uh, Hayden Christensen got announced to be as added as Darth Vader, who will be joining Ewan McGregor and Obi Wan Kenobi. Also, something I did not ask for. I was excited uh, about Obi Wan Kenobi. Looks great, I'm, I'm very curious about that. I don't really care about the Rogue One, but I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm cautiously optimistic. About well, I was excited about Obi Wan until they announced Hayden Christensen. I'm curious. I want to. I want to see what they do with this. With a real director, he's quite good. We he's shall really good see. In Gla- he's really good in Shattered Glass. He's really good in Shattered Glass, which also stars Rosario Dawson. Okay, we're still moving on. Moving on, more news. Uh, also, in the animated section, Bad Batch is coming out, which is a sequel to The Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. Um, and good. then we're also, they'll be doing a droid story, which is all the droids hanging out together. Um, and then The Acolyte which will be a series about the High Republic area, which I'm actually excited about. Is that one animated? No, that's live action. That's okay. And that's, that's Leslie Headland who co-created um, Russian Doll. Right, right. With... I see that. Oh, and then Lando Calrissian. We're getting a Lando series. Event uh, series, whatever that means. Yeah, and they and I don't know. They said they have not confirmed Donald Glover, but everybody's assuming it's going to be Donald Glover. Um. That's coming from Justin Simeon, who created, who wrote, wrote and directed the movie, um, oh, Dear White People. Right. And then we're getting a movie called Rogue Squadron, directed by Patty Jenkins. That's cool. Woo! Uh, which will be that. dealing with uh, the squadron led by Wedge Antilles. Uh, and then, hold on, is there any, I thought that was, and then there's an untitled new Star Wars film. Coming from who is it? Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi, right? Thank oh, you. Good. Okay. Did they uh, say film or trilogy? It's it's. They just they say film, film right now. Um. Warwick Davies is coming back for a Willow Disney Plus series with the pilot from John Chu, and then I'm excited by Children of Blood and Bone is in development. Which I've read that book and it's fantastic, so I'm super excited about that. So that's going to be cool. 
I don't think that's just development because they actually had that. Oh, they have a director. You're right. They have a director. Yeah, that's yeah development. Um, National Geographic. Uh, nothing there. Uh, Did they officially announce uh, Right Stuff season two? Uh, I do not see that. Because they've already got the the California tax credit for it. Yeah, up. but I don't see that in the announcement. They did not say anything about that. Uh, the Mighty Ducks is getting a series. Why? I don't know. That's the one with um, Lorelai uh, Gilmore. With um, <laughs> I can't. I'm blanking on the actor's name, but uh, the actor who plays Lorelai Gilmore is, is she and um, and Emilio Estevez are going to be the leads of that. Okay. Uh, Disney Films now, we're moving on to, wait, we already did Disney Films. Zac Efron Dis- is doing Three Men and a Baby? Ooh, why? Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they've already, they announced that at work. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying what- to move on to the Marvel news. I'm scanning, scanning. Whoop. Uh, Raya, Raya, Raya and the Last Dragon is, is from Pixar. They're doing T- Tiana, Zootopia, plus a new Moana movie. I'm no, excited about the Moana. No, Moana's going to be a series. Oh, it's a series. Yeah, okay. Ryan the Last Dragon is going to be released premium access. So when it goes to theaters, it'll be on Disney Plus for the extra charge of 30 bucks. Yeah, no. Uh, so they're announcing Lin-Manuel is doing a musical Disney thing called In... Encanto? Uh, it's a col- it takes you to Colombia, where a magical family live in a magical home. That tells me nothing. Okay. Uh, let's move. Oh, and then they're doing a Buzz Lightyear thing voiced by Chris Evans, and apparently people no, are upset. No, it's going to be live action. It's going to be live action. It's live That's- action? I heard what I heard is that they're they the idea behind Buzz Lightyear. It says it's voiced by Chris Evans. It doesn't say. I know there's there's I know the article you're looking at, and I was surprised to see it was written that way. Because if you find other articles, it what they say is is that the idea is that Buzz Lightyear the toy is supposed to be based on a live action Buzz Lightyear movie or series, and Chris Evans is being brought in to be that Buzz Lightyear. For for the series that the toy is, I'm based looking on. at this description and it does not say that, but we'll see. All right, I, moving I, moving on I, to Marvel Studios, which is still oh, also oh, a lot. You you left out one, a couple of other Disney things. What's that? Um, Whoopi Goldberg and um, Medea, Tyler Perry, Sister Act three, original film for Disney Plus, produced by executive produced by Whoopi and Tyler Perry. Uh, Pinocchio with Tom Hanks is skipping theaters going straight to Disney Plus. Oh, I did hear about Pinocchio. Peter Pan and Wendy skipping theaters going straight to Disney Plus. Maybe that's at the bottom of this article, but I don't know. All right. Right now, I'm at Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios uh, just showed they basically announced that WandaVision's in January, followed by Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is in March, followed by uh loki which is in may so there's just going to be back to back to back to back which is great um and now on and then they wrapped production for chang chi and the legend of the ten rings uh so that is scheduled for july 2021 
after that, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is 2020, March 2022, and Spider-Man, uh, is, I don't know when that's coming out. Spider-Man next, next December. Uh, so... Um, then we move on to have a sizzle reel for Miss Marvel. They've cast her. She looks adorable. Uh, but they haven't given a release date for that. But they said Miss Marvel will be in Captain Marvel 2, which will be out, uh, November 22nd. Hawkeye is getting a series starring Jeremy Renner and some, a fellow archer, Kate Bishop. They cast her. There's pictures of that. Tatiana Maslany again has been announced as She-Hulk, even though she has denied that she's playing She-Hulk. Disney finally confirmed that, yes, she is actually playing She-Hulk, along with Mark Ruffalo who and Tim Roth as the Abomination. Uh, Moon Knight will uh, be starring Oscar Isaacs. I think we announced that. Secret Invasion, which they had not announced, will be star which is also a limited series will be starring sam jackson and ben mendelson iron Ironheart, which i'm excited about will be about uh an inventor named riri williams starring dominique thorne but they 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 cast but they haven't announced that they're shooting that yet don Cheadle will be returning as war machine in a series called armor wars holy crap wait i'm out of breath okay keep going keep going uh, James Gunn is filming a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and Disney Plus is doing a bunch of I Am Groot shorts. Uh, Christian Bale has been announced as the villain for the upcoming Thor movie, and it is confirmed that Mahershala Ali and Blade. We already knew that. Uh, right. We knew that they wa- he wanted to play the character, and they wanted him to play the character. But this is the official the official announcement that it's happening. Oh, okay. The next Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, uh, has confirmed the cast and the direct, and um, they will be fighting Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Uh, and then they also just announced the director for a new Fantastic Four movie. What is this, the third, fourth one? Yeah, another reboot. Fourth. Well, no, this, this will be the fourth, well, it depends if you include the... Uh, the Corman '90s version. Oh, <laughs> oh God. right. Well, wow. this one will be good because it's Marvel Studios, and we've got a good director. Yeah, all so... fingers crossed. Whew. Okay, I'm out of breath. Whew. I think that's it. <laughs> did you Did you talk about what if? Oh, it's not on this list, but yes, what if has has also been confirmed, and they showed a trailer for what if, which looked amazing. I totally am going to see that. They all the original voices, including. Possibly his last screen appearance, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I heard the voice. I was like, that sounds what, like Chadwick Boseman. What, yeah, yeah. what if Yondu had kidnapped T'Challa instead in- of John of Quill? Peter, yeah, Peter, Peter Quill. Quill. Yeah, that huh. looks amazing. I totally want to see that. I, what was? Did they give a release date for that? Uh this summer probably. Yeah, because I'm looking. I'm at the bottom of this article and doesn't have what if. That's interesting. I've, anyway, yeah, summer because they've been working on it for a while and it's done. Yay! Okay, that's my news. Whew. All there right. is more news. Go though. ahead, Tom. ABC ordered six more episodes of Big Sky, so somebody's not falling asleep while watching it like I just, like I did with number two. 
they've given a straight-to-series order for Home Economics with Topher Grace. It's a sitcom. Jessica Simpson has signed a multimedia uh, rights deal with Amazon. Apple TV Plus has signed Julia Roberts to star in The Last Thing He Told Me. They picked up For All Mankind for season three, ahead of season two's premiere. Uh, the Carol Burnett biopic has moved from Focus Films to Apple. To Apple, And they've also greenlit a climate change miniseries from Scott Z. Burns. Uh, Disney Plus, by the way, 86.8 million subscribers. Um, and they're going to jack up the prices next year. Surprise, surprise. I have a three-year contract, baby. Me they too. can't jack up on me. Um, okay. HBO has uh, picked up season two of Industry and season two of How To with John Wilson. They've also announced the uh, cast members for House of the Dragons, including Matt Smith, Olivia Cook, and Emma Darcy. NBC has picked up Transplant for season two. Uh, NB, um, Comcast, Comcast NBC Worldwide was a production partner on season one, which is how they were able to exert such influence over a Canadian show. Um, NBC has announced that the night school pilot, the spinoff of the movie, is not going to proceed forward. Uh, Netflix canceled Hoops, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog CGI animated series, and they've acquired a new big-budget film version of All Quiet on the Western Front starring Daniel Bruhl, a.k.a. Baron Zemo, soon to be Would seen. not have been my choice, but oh well. Soon to be seen with a sock over his head in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Paramount... <laughs> <laughs> they're they're going to his comic book costume and the dude wears a sock on his head <laughs> sorry <laughs> google the pops figure uh, Paramount Plus has announced an iCarly revival with all the original cast what question Showtime. when is Paramount Plus actually becoming a thing uh, CBS All Access plans to rebrand sometime next year so but the announcement was from Paramount Plus so your guess is as good as mine Showtime has announced that Emma Stone, Nathan Fiedler, and Benny Safdie will star in the comedy series The Curse. And that's all of our news. That was wow. a lot. That was It'd like 20 quicker minutes, to man. say what wasn't renewed or created. <laughs> or, I mean, my God. Especially considering we, we're living in like a, a media desert right now. It's like all these things are going to happen. Just so, not now. Yeah. Right. All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about his Dark Materials, finally, because I finally caught up. And mm. so we're going to talk about episodes three and four. Um, and wow, this season, if you watched first season and were like, eh, it's okay. Dude, season two totally is working on all cylinders. It's fantastic. Um, I... I have to say, what is the black dude's name? The British guy that's like the double agent dude. Like he's oh. super super guy. I don't know his name. Yeah, the one who has the the, the snake. snake as demon. Yeah, um, he is great as a villain because he 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 can sort of pretend to be a good guy, though not really that well. I think his good guy is like yeah, it's a little rusty. Um, Convinces a little kid, but yeah, not well, much sort of. That. Even you yeah. know. Not that well. Then you get a bad vibe off of him. He 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 does mm -hmm. give you like ooh danger vibes, um, but he did construct a situation 
where uh, Lyra got in his car by giving her a dude chasing after her and he was the only alternative. Um, but as soon as, because at first I was like, what does he need with an alethiometer? He can't read that thing. And and then I was like, wait a minute. He's looking for the boy. And I was like, it's a trap. Like, and I don't know. I mean, they're kids. They're kids. So I get why they didn't necessarily think like five steps ahead and be like, it must be a trap. Um, because they are children. And so it feels like he's cheating. Like literally taking candy. He's from not babies. even looking for the boy, really. He's, he's looking for his dad and specifically something that his father has. Right, right. And so, so he, yeah, but it still feels like taking candy from a baby because this guy is a master manipulator. And so the fact that he can manipulate Lyra and Will is like, okay, yes, you don't get any points for that. Um, so it makes him even like a worse bad guy. But what I can't figure out is, because at first in season one, I thought he was working for the Magisterium. But then you realize later, nobody else really knows that he's going across different universes. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, wait a minute, is this just dude just freelancing and doing this on his own? Because that's what it feels like now. Where I am in the story, it feels like everything that he's doing is kind of for himself because he's making deals with Lyra's mom. God, what's her name? Making deals uh, with uh, Mrs. Coulter. Yeah, he's making deals with her. But then it was, like, strangely, like, sexual. Like, I'll do you a favor as he touches her hand. I was like, ew! Stop! <laughs> like, and she had this look on her face like, yes, you'll help me get my daughter back. Fake smile. You know, she's like, and then I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that was the look well, on he, her face. He, what I got is that he clearly does have a thing for her. And, and I mean, he, he the, the interesting thing is that He's repelled by women who have power, and and he's you know he's just like anyone else in the magisterium in that he thinks he thinks women should have their place beneath men, and yet it is it is Mrs. Coulter's power that draws him. Right. He just he thinks that you know she's just the coolest thing ever, and yes, he I, I think that that's absolutely real. It's not manipulative in that sense. Well, I don't um, think, I but think I don't think he's more... ever really shown it so obviously until he had power over her. Like once oh, sure. he had, yeah, before he would have never dared to touch her. And oh, now that he thinks he's in a situation where she has to deal with him and he has power over her, then he's like caressing her hand. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Um, Nothing I, she wants. That's what he's doing. Yes. And oh, that was a little icky. I like him as a villain, though. He's great. He's a really good villain. And uh, then they introduce. So at first, you think of the alethiometer as like the most important, powerful thing that you can have, and then they introduce the idea of the subtle knife, and I was like, "Whoa, that's like on a whole different scale." And I really enjoyed just the mythology because they have like a prequel at the beginning of episode four where they like give you the backstory of the knife and explain to you all this information, and I was like. I almost wish they had given it to us earlier so that we like it would or slower, like in bits. So it's not just like one five minute chunk, one five minute jump, dump, you know, information dump. And, but it was still done well. I liked how they did it. So, yeah, no. And what I also liked, you know, there was, there was the thing that I thought was interesting about that, that knife is that you pay a price for for owning to being able to, yeah, to wield it. Yeah. 
It's not um, cheap. It's not cheap. No, it's not. And it come, comes rather unexpectedly. Um, but I, I love the way they handled that. And I, I the whole scene uh, where where they're fighting over it, and then you know he he, he tells him because he lost the fingers, that you know he is the true bearer of this knife. Right. It's like, okay, well, you know, I mean. So can't sell it on eBay, I guess. But uh, well, I mean, and I like um, that the guy how he explained the knife to Will. Like that was really pretty cool. All of that was great. All of that was handled beautifully. Um, and and the uh, what I what I really thought was interesting too is that having t- you know turned over the knife now that he was no longer the bearer, that was sort of the the end of his his journey. Right. You know, and he he just is that that's it. You know, he's can just sort of fade away now and uh because that was his entire purpose well, but and I, I also but they... like that the mission immediately changed because their initial mission was this guy was like i'll give you the alethiometer back if you give me the knife and they're like sure let's go get the knife and trade it and then once they find out how powerful that knife is they're like well obviously we can't trade the knife now so now they got to come up with another plan and also it lets me know that 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 whole or window that the other dude's been going through all this time was obviously made by the subtle knife. Yes, clearly. And who, but, but it does, it does give you the question. It's like, why did they open it and then not close it immediately? What happened there? Exactly. That, that left that open. Um, Cause clearly, you know, we're told under no circumstances are you supposed to leave these things just hanging open. there. Yeah. Um, and, and clearly this is the result of, of one of those, those things happening. Um, another thing that, that I, I like about these episodes too, the most recent ones is that we've been introduced to the character of the, um, the, the scholar, the, the oh, woman scholar the, who's the, the investigating. Yeah. 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 She's investigating dark matter, which turns out to be the same thing as, as, dust. uh, dust. And you know, I'm, I'm like really curious as to how, she plays into it uh how how she fits into this puzzle um but her character is great i i love trying i loved seeing her trying to find different ways to communicate with this thing and then and then watching as as lyra just intuitively communicates yeah all of that is fantastic like all the pieces are 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 coming together the only thing i would have to say is lin-manuel is still weak a weak link on the show. Like, he I don't is... No, I like him in the role. I he's do. He's not a stellar actor. And so any scenes with him feel... I can feel him acting. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and the guy playing Will's dad, I love... That actor's a great bad guy. And so, of course, when you see him, I was like, is he a bad guy? Like, my initial reaction to him is that he must be playing the villain. Well, um, we did see him as Moriarty and Sherlock first. Yes, yeah, so, so, yeah, so I tends I, to color things a bit. I, I am immediately suspicious of anything he says. Um but his character's definitely interesting and you can tell he does love his son. You know. Yes. You get that. Um but yeah, the Lin Manuel story is like eh, eh, it's okay. Though I did I like, know, his, I like that better than I liked his scene is. with the mom where she's torturing him and he he kind of breaks her a little he like he reverse tortures her with the conversation like i thought that well, was because, pretty good 
they they've had the the thing that was interesting is that their backgrounds are sort of similar you know right. they both had abusive childhoods and just from her reactions he knew that that was what she came from right. and bringing that up um just you know it it just kind of crushed a part of her she wasn't she wasn't expecting that yeah she was she's, not prepared she, yeah she's never been vulnerable in I, I don't think in her entire adult life and and that someone could read her so quickly uh and bring up things that she's tried to suppress and i think that it, it actually gave her a sense of empathy because let's face it she she lets him go at the end yeah all of that was great like it's got so many pieces and all oh, the witches at the end of of, of episode four. Wow. Uh, they bombed the witches, which was, I was like, you guys just started a fight that I don't think you know how to finish. And so by bombing and killing all these young girls, uh, they basically, one thing that the witches couldn't do was unite behind a purpose. They were always arguing like, no, we should do peace. No, we should do this. And they were going back and forth. And then when the Magisterium bombed them, they were like, oh, so we're going to just kill the Magisterium now. So they, <laughs> they basically made the witches united, and that was a terrible mistake. Because, yeah, that's something you don't want to do. Yeah, because they crushed that the Magisterium. Like, they rolled through those ships and killed them all in, what, like 10 seconds? It was insane. Yes. And, and you figured there was only like what five of them, and and they are there just were three of them ripping they, three there of them, were three okay, of them three of them, and they're ripping through this entire fleet of of ships, you know, fully manned, and just that they're just blowing up one after the other like it's nothing, you know. Yeah. And they like were the you... they were taking the time to kill each individual soldier, <laughs> like they yeah. weren't just blowing the ship up. They went inside the ship, and they were like, oh, there's ten guys in here. Swank, 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 swank. And like she, they were just rolling through it. I was like, oh my God. There's was, a lot of vengeance in, in need here. So I, yeah. Yeah. Why would you pick a fight with them? No, that was a terrible idea. But so it ends with them going through the portal. And I was wondering, does their magic work on different worlds? That was really, that would be my question. Yeah. What I thought was interesting was, you know, when, when, um, uh, and now I'm blanking. I'm blanking on the character's name, but but uh, Will's father, um, when he describes how he was caught into this world and he couldn't find his way back, and I always thought that he had originated in Lyra's world and yeah. you know just made his way to the other one because he's got a demon, right? And it turns out no, he developed the one demon, after yeah. being in this world. For so it does make me wonder if you're in if you're in a world that doesn't have this, would your demon disappear? If oh, you're Lyra, in world, yeah, that would for, suck for Lyra. Yeah, for for a lot, I, I wonder about you know especially um, again the villain guy with the snake. You know he's been there a lot. Already. But I think he and, goes and back and forth. I think I think he goes back and forth enough that he'll be fine. But if Lyra gets stuck on regular Earth for too long, that might be a problem. Yeah, but anyway, would disappear. Yeah, but let's 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 move on. This is all like, dudes, watch it. So good. It's, all right, it, this is a great season. Great yeah. season. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Transplant. Um, and I only watched the first part due to you know only watching the first part. I thought there was only one episode. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, as usual, this was one of their better episodes. And I knew that the whole thing with... Uh, God, Dominus. What the heck is his name on 
on this show. He's the head <laughs> chief. I I called him. Bishop? Uh, maybe, yeah, the doctor. I called him that because that's you're his, still thinking of him from Spartacus. Yeah, I, that was his name in Spartacus. John yeah, John Hanna. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> that was his name, man. And I was like, oh, that's all that came to me. Um, but yeah, we knew something was going to happen because of his injury from the pilot, because it was bothering him all season, but he hadn't dealt with it. And now he potentially just killed somebody. Like, oops. Um, at least that's where I left off. I don't know what actually happened as a result of that on part two, but I I, I don't think I thought it was going to be that big because he usually never like does op- surgery. He's always supervising. And so even though he was having problems, I didn't predict that it would have been this big of a thing. But yeah, he totally screwed that up. Screwed the pooch, as they say. What happened in the rest of the episode, though? I don't remember. She, um, basically, we find out uh, she makes it. I mean, they have to take her spleen out. It's an emergency. But uh, she does make it. I was starting to wonder, though, because it was not looking good for her. Um, so Bishop's son... Um, the nurse he's the nurse that he's dating basically called his son and his son came to see him so they got reconciled. No, no, no. But I mean, what happened for the first part, not the second part? You're telling oh. me. Oh. You're telling me <laughs> stuff that I don't know. I was like, I don't know that's what you're talking about. What happened? But I've been the story <laughs> points of earlier in, in episode uh, twelve. Allison, I'll tag you in. She hasn't seen well, it in forever. I, I, I haven't. Oh. I watched it over a month ago, so yeah. I am totally lost. I have the, no um, idea. The, the it's little, all jumbled together in one big pile in my head. The little the little sister was buck was was getting in trouble at school. Oh I, right right right. Oh right right. She was causing was getting problems right. Trouble at school, and she and Bash have a heart to heart, and well, the heart to, the first talk is an argument. Where he he blurts out at her that we wouldn't have come to America if it wasn't for you, and then uh, terrible he comes, parenting. He, well, he's not a parent. He's I a, know, not really. No, that's part of the problem. It's like you go from being a big brother to a to a surrogate parent, and then um, they do have a heart to heart later in the episode, and he basically tells her that you know that was wrong of me to lash out at you, and he's basically. He couldn't save their parents, which is why he doesn't want to talk talk about them to her because he feels guilty that he couldn't right, do. Well, that. yeah, we established that from his therapy, right? Right, but he he hadn't shared that with her, so right. And then uh, what's his face? Uh, the, <laughs> the white doctor, you know, the pediatrician you don't care about. Uh, <laughs> he um, he's trying to figure out things. He he took the job at the hospital. He he was he still did. Did he finally make an agree, uh, deal with his wife? No, they have not settled that. Mm. So it's still kind of up in the air if that marriage is going to survive because she put the house for sale. Oh wow! And I know that they've got that EMT chick flirting with him hard. I was like, what's going on with that? Yeah. What what was interesting is, and this might be in part in part two, episode thirteen. He goes on rounds with the EMT and. You know, they're, they're still kind of flirtatious, but she he she asks them, okay, what did you do? And he tells her, it's like, oh, so you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, I mean, do you want me to talk about episode 13? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, basically, the case, they're, the case they're brought to 
They're called to a house where a kid, a kid called 911. His dad's like, I can't believe you called 911. Oh, and no, I saw that. The dad was roughhousing with the kid. Yeah, and, and he broke, broke, like, his ribs or something. And yeah. broke his wrist. Yeah, yeah. So, so and they called was, the police. I remember that. Yeah, well, they had to. I mean, it's, it's protocol. Um, he's obviously abusing his son and trying to make his son believe that he's just a wimp or a weak. And I, the cases overall... Generally, I like the cases, but I really care more about what's going on. I don't really care about the cases, per se. I really care about, like, the the black doctor and her father with his stomach mm-hmm. cancer. That dude is still a jerk. Like, you oh, know. Definitely oh, a jerk. But what was interesting, how that paid off in episode 13, is there's a patient who basically was homeless who's brought in and needed emergency surgery, and she basically completely takes his care under under her wing because he's got nobody else. And at the end, her her doctor mentor, who's tough on her, but also will compliment her when necessarily, offers her chief resident. Oh! Which was, which was kind of cool. And they set that up that, that she might have some kind of reconciliation with her father of some sort. We don't know. And uh, I don't know if he deserves it. He's still a jerk. Well, yeah, yeah but... Dads who are jerks are still dads. I mean, you can still, yeah. Well, I mean, he just uh, never mind. I got issues. Anyway, let's well, the idea on. is that he did everything that he did because he was drunk all the time, and now he's been sober. So, you know, he's trying to make yeah, but up. I feel for like it. she. Her whole point is this is a pattern. He gets sober for a minute, apologizes, and goes back, and it's yeah. just like a roller coaster. And she's like, you know what? I'm getting off this ride, and I I get it. All right, well, let's move on. Uh, Transplant, we're saying this has been a great season. Uh, Definitely give it a shot. It's fun. I mean, I'm not a big fan of hospital dramas, but I enjoy the show. And the thing is, the characters are really well, they're well written and well played. So it doesn't reinvent the wheel. And there's not bed hopping like on Grey's Anatomy. There's good, solid storytelling and a great cast. Right. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Uh, let's move on. We're going to talk about Alex Ryder, and we're going to talk about the last two episodes, episodes nine and ten. And uh, it was crazy because okay, episode nine felt like the finale. It was like there's the big climax. The team comes in. They do the big mission to try to rescue everybody, and then Alex was like supposed to be in the background and hiding behind, you know. The, the soldiers and everything goes pear-shaped because he goes off on his own following random clone chick that he thought was not a clone. He and That was hilarious because he was like, I can totally tell the clones apart. And then what <laughs> no, happens and what happens is he gets suckered in by a clone. Um, what do you guys think? And the think? thing is, as soon as she showed up, I'm going, that's the clone. <laughs> yeah, because she was all emotionless. Yeah. Yeah. So, what you, what you think yeah. of uh, Nine, the big climax? It's, it's, Seven and eight, Libya. Just, they were just oh, eight sorry. Up. Seven and eight, whatever. What did you think of uh, of the the big climax episode? I was I was wondering at the end of seven, we got another episode going, so obviously the, the other shoe hasn't dropped, and we find out that there's enough that there's, there's a rider clone. Well, well, I mean, let's before we get into that. That's the next episode. I want to get into the. I just want to talk about the big. Busting up the facility thing first before we get into the clone. Okay. No, it was. I mean, it was. <laughs> it was fine. I was surprised that they let him get hit by the truck. 
He got hit by a truck. Oh, that happened I, earlier. Well, that yeah. was in the previous episode. That was the previous episode. And actually, it, it's, no, made was, to look, it, it's made to look like he was hit by the truck, and, and it turns out that he wasn't. He was just, they set up a situation where he looked like he w- right. would be hit by a truck. He be brought to the hospital, and they, you know, play act this scene where, uh, you know, they knew that he was being watched, and they make it look like he died. Right. So they wouldn't they wouldn't keep looking for him after that. Right, I get so that. that was the best yeah, but the big operation, I liked it. I, I liked the flow of it, though. That woman, wow, he needs some more hand to hand combat training because that woman beat the crap he, out of him. I don't think he's had any hand to hand combat training. I mean, yeah, the, supposedly his his uncle trained him in all these different things. It's like, and yet never did hand to hand combat. Really? Yeah. Not, not, no nothing, karate nothing whatsoever. Like karate or no. boxing or something. No. Nope. You know, I mean, because that, that was just sad. He that got really destroyed, sad. and she wasn't really that good. She was just she was yeah. just beating on him. You know. At least, at least he had the sense of mind to throw large stuff at her. <laughs> <laughs> And then he also had the sense of mind to realize everything was going to blow up and curl himself into a little ball. Yeah, get behind like a pillar or something. So he still should have been fried to a crisp, but let's yes, we'll let that go. That's true, too. Because <laughs> really, seriously, I mean, there was enough hydrogen in there to take down the building. It's ridiculous. And he was, he just, he he was just around the corner in a ball, yeah, he and just he was had fine. On him. He was fine. If he had one of those metallic blankets, maybe. <laughs> That was, but I, I mean, and I like. I have to say, now getting into the whole clone thing, I have to say that I was like, yeah, what are we gonna do? We got one episode left. I don't understand. And so when he gets home, and they're all trying to talk to him, and he's like, leave me alone, and he doesn't speak, and he goes into his room, and then they show the other one. I was like, wait, which one did they take home? Like, that was I, the I, I was yeah, and I thought, well, it, you were supposed to be, I, and I liked that. I liked that uncertainty. Of is because he was acting weird. I mean, he was acting traumatized, but he was also very deliberately not I speaking. Yeah, I get it. He was, but they showed him obviously not speaking to anybody who was close to him. And then they show the other one, and you're like, wait, which one's the clone? And I like they had that going for a good 15, 20 minutes. That was pretty good. Yeah. Well, oh. pretty much by the time the the guy try, you know, stopped the car. And then beat the driver to death. I went, ah. Okay, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> That's the evil one. Yes. yes. Okay, we've, we've eliminated that now. Okay. Process of elimination. Uh, so that was all really good. And at first, I couldn't figure out, like, when the clone showed up at the school and just started saying mean things to all his friends. And I was like, oh, he's trying to create a situation where he can isolate him so none of his friends want to talk to him so that when he yep. replaces him... There'll be nobody that'll be like, oh, that's not him. But that wasn't his plan at all. He was just planning to kill them. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. That's a terrible plan. He's just evil. Yeah, I was like, that's not a good plan. Um, Because I was trying to figure out what the clone was going for, like what his goal was. And then when he admits what his goal was, I was like, "Mm, that's not that interesting. You're not the smart clone. He was the newest one, so you know. Yeah. yeah, they were using leftover material for him, so oh well. But uh, yeah, I I do like where they left the opening for for season two. I think it's really obvious that the face that was you know blurred out 
is supposed to be Alex's father. Absolutely. That uh, wasn't even that wasn't oh, yeah. they yeah. showed that picture like ten Clearly. times. And I was and, and then they mentioned that like whatever happened, we know we know what happened to Alex's dad, and I was like, he's obviously the leader of the super evil group. So he is Darth Vader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that, that feels super obvious. I was like, you guys need to go back to the drawing board if you're supposed to surprise us with that. Okay. So do you think that that's the secret that they're withholding from yes. him? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were like, let him live a normal life. We need to tell him the truth. Uh, and then, of course, of, and also the guy shot the the clone because the clone threatened Alex. So he's obviously under orders from the dad. So To leave Alex yeah. alone. Yeah, well, to protect him. So, yeah. Um, yeah, because otherwise the guy who's... He, I mean, he killed his uncle and he's been killing everybody else left, right, and center. Why would he not have killed Alex? And right. that's the only explanation that right. makes sense. So I was like, oh, okay. Though it's interesting that he killed his own brother. Hmm. Do we do we know what, what book uh, season two will be based on? I do not. Okay. I mean, there's 12 of them, so pick one. Oh, wow. Uh, and from what I understand, I haven't read the books, but from what I understand from those who have, they're being pretty fast and loose with the uh, with the details and making everything a lot grittier than the, the actual books were. Yeah, because so. if you look at the book covers, they look like YA books. And this is, this is a bit darker. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't feel like a YA story, even though the, the lead character is a teen... Um, I was impressed with the fact that it does not feel YA. Yeah. So I was surprised. Oh, you wanted to talk about the theme song? Oh, the, oh yeah, the theme song is amazing. I love it. I, I just want to repeat. But we need to keep moving because I just realized we've been going really slow on these shows and we've got a lot more shows to talk about. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Star Trek Discovery. And this episode was called Terra Forma, Firma Part 1. And wow, <laughs> wow. I mean, whoever said that they wanted some more Jojo, the show was like, okay, here you go. Um, and it was fantastic. I didn't want, I didn't realize how much I miss her character getting to do cool stuff, but also that she can carry a show like a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Michelle, so she, she, yeah. Absolutely. She was fantastic. Uh, right. Peter, you haven't talked in a while. Uh, what did you think of this episode? I thought it was I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Although I had a I had to call you as a reminder because I was like I don't remember what this bizarro world thing is like. Uh, and you're like, oh, it's the is it the mirror world? Is that what it's yes. called? Mirror universe. So I I had forgotten about that stuff. Um, um, yeah, Michelle Yeoh's been she's always terrific. So um, I I really liked seeing her in that. I would like to stop for a second and say that I. I, I did, even though I don't watch Star Trek, I'm not as familiar with the Star Trek shows as much as you guys. I did think that um, the moment they get, they, so they land on the planet and then there's just some dude reading a newspaper with some oh. door. That felt so like classic Star Trek. Just this weird absurdist, like what the heck's going on here? Like, uh, but, I re- but, but I really liked it. I, but, but it was just so... Um, I don't know. It was it was just so like over the top or something, you know, you know, in a in a good way. Um, but the bulk of the episode I thought was really good. I I also really like seeing um, Sinequa Martin Green 
um, turning up her ham levels uh, wow. as, as, as the evil version. Like she's clearly evil relishing version. like her big grins uh, and everything. So um, yeah, she turned I the ham up to twenty. Wait, what? She turned the ham up to twenty. Turn okay. up, yeah. I had forgotten that the whole thing was was that Giorgio killed her. So that's why the big moment, you know, near the end, it's like she's like, well, I'm just going to, you know, looking at her mother, you kill me now or whatever. And, of course, she doesn't. So now it's like their future is unwritten. Um, but the only thing is, I guess I just keep wondering, because it was, I had forgotten it was a part one of two thing. So in, like, the last seven minutes, I was like, how are they going to wrap this up? I was like, I don't see what's going on. But, um, but yeah, no, I was I was pretty entertained. Also loving seeing uh, Tilly with that hair. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I was a pretty pretty Good luck for her. You mean Killy? Yes, Killy. Is Killy. Yes. Wait, what is it? Killy. Killy. Killy in the mirror universe. Uh, so Tom, oh, wait, is that true? It's not yeah. Killy. In the mirror universe, her nickname is Killy. Oh, I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Okay, uh, Tom, Allison, your thoughts really quick because we gotta keep rolling. Who do we do we think Carl is a Q? Yes or no? Hmm, that's a good question. He's Ooh, a very that's... benevolent Q if he's Q. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, they could dream up any kind of weird being, but he does. There is like a Q-like aspect to oh, him, but that. more yeah. of a lawful Q than the one we're familiar with. So, uh, otherwise, I have no idea of how to explain what he is because all of that was very weird. But um, but I loved this episode. This was this was great. More of this, please. Mirror Universe always works. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's always fun. Uh, I love the fact that Killy is still. I mean, the one thing that there's, there's like always one character who's like sort of an anchor. And and I remember in in the original uh, Star Trek, it was Spock. No matter what else, he was still you know logical and reasonable and reasonable and and you know wanted to go with what worked best and. And where where this is concerned, we have Killy, who is still dead loyal to whoever is in charge. You know, she's her loyalty is not in question, and and I I guess she's she's like the anchor person as far as that's concerned. So I like that. Good to see the bridge crew get some more screen time, even if they are beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. <laughs> but let's wrap that up. This episode is great. I cannot wait for part two. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about flight attendant really quick, Tom, and tell us. I still am not on board with the idea of flight attendant, so I just want to uh, talk about episode three. Episode three, she crashes the funeral of hot Danish dude. Of course, and, as the guilty person always does, and discovers his family was into some bad stuff, and so she has way too much to drink because of reasons that will be revealed in a future episode. But she has, she ends up having to get out of there in a hurry. But she also rescues some documents from a shredder, throws them out the window, and had convinced one of her uh, fellow flight attendants to go to the to go to the memorial with her. He's angry when he finds out why she brought him. Although he did start making out with another guest. Um, but no, I, I, I'm in. I want Peter to catch up. Hint, hint. I know. I know. You're right. I know. <laughs> All right, so uh, there you go. Next up, we're going to talk about Alice in Borderland, which is a new show on Netflix that just dropped. And 
I don't know. The reviews were saying it was like it's like Saw, it's like this, it's like. And I first of all, I hate any slasher stuff like like hate it. Cannot watch it. This is not that. It it's no. brutal. I will give you that, but it's not bloody like that. And it's the the concept is there's somebody, some entity, whether it's the government, maybe aliens, we don't know, are snatching people from Japan. Um, and it almost seems like they snatched them to, I feel like, because they're all assuming they made everybody from Japan disappear. And then um, now they're in an empty Japan. It feels like to me, they're snatching individual people from Japan and bringing them to this world. That's yeah. how, that's my guess, because there's always newbies that are like, what's going on? What's the game? What's happening? And mm-hmm. like, so people have been there for different time periods. And so instead of, because they're like, is it time travel? I was like, no, 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 guys. It's they're grabbing people when they want to grab them and they dump them in this world. And that's why people are on different, like some people have obviously been there for a while, you know? Um, Well, they have a conversation with the the girl who they were in the first maze with. Um, When when they go to like some store and they, they sit down, at, at like a furniture store and have have lunch together and she's talking about how she was nabbed like days before they were right um, she's she's been you know here for for a while and they actually uh bring up i i figure i forgot which kid it is the the one the the little one who ends the up ner- with the, burns. the nerdier one the nerdy one um he he brings up the the idea that maybe this you know is just a simulation Right, and they dismiss that. It's like, no, that doesn't feel like a simulation. Oh, well, his like, leg got almost burned off because yeah. of his leg. But um, they do bring up that as a possibility. So that's that's been broached, and clearly, what you know, whether this is a a digital simulation or a, an actual physical simulation, people are being pulled out of of the real space, you know, real right. Tokyo or real wherever, and and dumped into this location and forced to play this game. It's really violent. It yeah, is yeah. not like saw violent. It's not that kind of thing um, because it's it's not super graphic. But but yeah, there's a lot of death in, <laughs> in this. I mean, that's the, that's the nature. They're playing life or death games, and right. there's a lot of people lose. A lot of people lose, and I and I like the best friend that's like, dude, you've spent your entire life playing games. You better be good at this. <laughs> so he's putting a lot of pressure on that dude um, to be to be good at it. And in the pilot, the fact that he actually studied a lot of geometry and all that actually served them. But in the second game of tag, as they called it, the geometry didn't really help as much. Um, no. That was just more looking at people's motivation, trying to figure out what people were doing. That was really what it was. But his idea that the more games that he plays, the more he could understand whoever was creating the game. He was like, I'd be able to get the the game signature. I have to say, the girl that's that that's kind of attached herself to that group is super annoying. Can we kill her? I, I want her to die. The uh, the one who's who's befriending uh, befriending or calling real, it befri- real I was like, are we calling it befriending? Uh, yeah, well, you know, they, well, they, they said from the beginning that her method, I mean, I, like everyone seems to have a strategy to get through the game and hers is to, to use people as bait. 
Right. And I think what she's doing with, with him, you know, to, to woo him and lull him into thinking that there's a relationship between the two of them is that she's, she's going to now get him in a place where he's loyal to her and, and then she's, she's just going to use him as cannon fodder. Oh, absolutely. Um, because he's not particularly so, useful any other way because he's already hurt. Yeah, so that's that's her strategy. What I think think was interesting was watching a lot of the other characters, like the mountain climber girl, and the, I like the, her a lot. Yeah, I love her character and the the, the weird blonde guy who just kind of wanders off. You know, with he's the very lackadaisical. I like his attitude. He needs to join but, the team too. Yes, I want I, him and to I join think my he team. will. But I think what, what what's interesting is that most of these characters seem to have this attitude of, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm all for myself and I'm on my own. That's the only way you can really play this game. And I think the difference with uh, the, the hero character is that he, he's, he's really, really good at strategizing. And that's great when strategy is, is what's needed, but sometimes you need brute force. Sometimes you need, you know, underhanded cleverness. Sometimes you need uh, flexibility. And I think building a little, Group, yeah, we need a group. You know, a team where where there's specialties. Like when you go through, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, everybody has their specialties, right? Um, and that's that's the only way that they're really going to get through this game, right? And they obviously somebody else thought of that. The people with the radios, whoever those guys are, they obviously thought of the same thing. And uh, yeah, I really I like this show. This is fantastic. I mean, it's bloody. It's gory but i mean it has puzzles and i want to know the next piece of the puzzle yeah yeah so thumbs up for me all right uh next up we're going to talk about the crown we're going to talk about episodes seven and eight and when i say we i mean people other than me go for it guys (laughs) uh allison what did you think of uh episode seven which is focused on margaret i always feel like every season we kind of get at least one margaret episode and i felt like this this one I like this one in particular because a lot of times where where Margaret is concerned when they focus on her, they focus on her self-destructing in one way or another. And in this episode, it sort of starts that way because she feels like she's being marginalized by by the rest of the family. And just the line of succession means that the things that she used to do and the functions that she used to play are now going to be taken over by, by, uh, I think it was uh, Prince Edward. so, you know, she, she just feels like she's being, you know, punted off to the side. And you, so you figure, oh, it's another poor me Margaret episode. But then she goes, she finds some information about, uh, you know, other members of, of the family that she was not aware of before. And she starts investigating this more and more and more. And, and it, it, I, w- I should say that the, the, the episode opens in this oh, that's right. mental hospital, yeah. that's the you know the cold open is in this mental hospital where they're uh, the inhabitants are celebrating uh, Edward reach you know coming of age and and being accorded uh, acolytes and that sort of thing. It's, it's his birthday and 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 they're all celebrating it. You're you're sort of wondering why that's important and why we're watching that. And later on, we find out through Margaret that they're celebrating this because these are the members of the family who the rest of the family doesn't talk about, who uh, I think due to a gene that ran along a certain line uh, that, that is, does not lead to Margaret, we find out. 
but they have uh, mental disabilities. Uh, they're they're uh, you know intellectually challenged, and and have other issues. There there appeared to be some of them who had Down syndrome and, and such things, and they've been locked away in this facility. And they know exactly who they are. They know who they're related to. They know where the you know, where they stand. And yet, at the same time, they're not allowed to interact with with anyone on the outside. And nobody on the outside is supposed to know they exist. And it's pretty horrifying. It really oh, yeah. is. Totally. It's you know like like locking the the ant you can't talk about in the attic. Um, so it's 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 really pretty devastating. This and episode. sadly, also true. Absolutely true. This is and not it, one of the things that was embellished for no, uh, TV. No, and they cast two women who actually, I, I saw pictures of the actual uh, characters that they played, the two cousins, and they they were cast they cast two women who looked a lot like them. Um, so it's it's just it's incredibly sad and and a commentary on how mental illness was was regarded for for so many years. Um, yeah, it's yeah, there's no happy it, ending with this episode. Uh, no, I agree. I thought it was a really good episode, and um, I I I, uh, I agree with your sentiment about um, the way Margaret can often be portrayed. And I've always I, I've I've not I I really liked Vanessa Kirby in the first two seasons of The Crown, and I think that like you know especially because it's a younger version of Margaret, that version of Margaret who's like person who's partying Spitfire. but also has a lot of like feels that like she never gets her due i thought that worked pretty well with vanessa kirby and of course like i said the age i like helen bonham carter but i was never i never thought she quite gelled in these seasons but i thought this episode was a good use of not only the character but of the actress i do i do thought she brought her a game and and the the indignation that the character of margaret and someone like bonham carter can uh, handle I thought was pretty effective. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this so is probably cool. one of my favorite roles for Helena Bonham Carter because she's in a lot of stuff. Episode eight deals with the the uh, the conflict between Margaret Thatcher and uh, Queen, which comes to a head with apartheid. Yeah, and, fantastic. And this is this is very factually based where all these countries in this Commonwealth took a stand against apartheid. Except for the UK, and this is one of the things that kind of this was the beginning of the end of that relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it and it. I I read some reviews saying how like it almost felt like Peter Morgan was doing his best Aaron Sorkin because there's a lot of like people, uh, there's a lot of like people like you know um, pairs of people walking down hallways talking about important things like um, which is a very Sorkin uh, quality, but I. Uh, I thought it was really good that you, I mean, obviously I'm not on Thatcher's side, but it's a really interesting thing to see like how there's a whole sequence where they need her to sign this and she won't. And they basically go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on. It's basically like, it ends up being like just one word. Right. And I think yeah, it's, 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 it's what 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 is interesting about the episode to me is is that this one also started out with something that I, I didn't understand how it related to the rest of the show, where they have this guy who's writing a novel. Oh right. And he it's in, mm -hmm. he's writing like he has just you know 
swallowed about 10 thesauruses and, and he's, he's vomiting out every last, every last word onto the page. And I mean, it's like over the top ridiculous. So it's, I'm, I'm thinking, why are we watching this? And then of course, you know, nobody wants his novel. Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, and then we find out that actually it turned out that he worked at, for, for the, the Buckingham Palace, that he was one of the PR people. And what they do later on to get Margaret Thatcher to sign off on this, at which all the, they just keep going back and forth and back and forth with the language until they finally, you know, they say what we need is somebody who really knows words, who can say what we need to say, but make it not look like that. And, and that's when they bring him in. And he, he, he like finds other words to, to be able to, to get this resolution past Thatcher. And um, it, I, I thought it was kind of brilliant and it, it makes her look like a bit of an idiot, but still um, it's, it's just incredibly well done. And, and I just, just, the back and forth with, with this was, was pretty brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was it was terrific. I just, uh, I mean, I've um, it's just also just very engaging to see Elizabeth go against uh, Thatcher and stuff. Um, but yeah, I I thought, but yeah, both of these episodes very strong. Yeah, right. in reality, I don't know how much uh, f- uh, friction there was on that particular subject. I know they're supposed to have not gotten along together, but uh, although the Bucking- Buckingham Palace will deny that to this day, but. They, I don't know that they were necessarily that far apart on this issue, but they use Elizabeth as kind of the voice of morality. Right, right. This, yes. Which I did like a lot. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's wrap this one up. Um, obviously, thumbs up for you guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah next yeah. up, we're going to talk about The Wiles. Uh, Tom, did you see, is that you're the one that saw it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. you saw the pilot. So I'm, why should well, we watched... be, at one, where is it and why should we be watching it? Uh, it is on Prime, and uh, I watched the first two, but I'll only talk about the pilot. It's basically if you took Lost and Lord of the Flies with a female-centric cast, it's eight teenage girls who are going to this female empowerment weekend, plane crashes, they end up on an island, and uh, the the story unfolds, we get one of... The, one of the eight is being interviewed by two guys. We don't know who the two guys are, but about the past events. So we find out her backstory as well as what happened on the island when they first get there. The episode's title is actually Day One. And her story is interesting. High school, you know, smart high school kid, um, a fi- an author who is an alumnus of her high school comes to visit. She ends up dropping him off at the hotel and then they get something to eat. And I'm thinking, Oh no, please don't go to creepy places. And <laughs> there is, there's flirting, there's flirting. And then she's, um, he's a little infatuated with her as she is with him. And she says, well, you know, I turned 18 in a couple of weeks. Oh, so no. after her birthday, they celebrate as, we would expect them to on a show like this. And then, and these are, this is told in flashbacks. And then we find out she lied about her age. She turned 17 and he's like horrified. And somebody, somebody uh, sent him her birth certificate via certified mail, registered mail. So he calls it off. She's devastated. And that's where she is when she goes to 
you know, Freaky Island. But it's it's really interesting. I I mean, really, I like... his big issue is that now he can go to jail versus is he horrified because he could go to jail or is he really horrified? He's horrified because he's horrified because he would not have done this had he known that she was not legal. He, but mean, uh, any guy but, that's sleeping with an eighteen-year-old should still be in trouble. Whatever. That's 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 her backstory. But basically, all the all the girls have their issues, of course, and every episode is going to be one of them talking to these two guys from some kind of inquiry board. But uh, the big reveal at the end of the episode is their landing here was not an accident, and Rachel Griffiths and her crew are watching them. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> so, and one of the eight dies, but she was a plant by Rachel Griffiths and company. Mm. So. But really interesting. I really appreciate the fact that the pilot, the show was created by a woman. A pilot was directed by a woman. So dealing with issues that teenage girls have from a realistic point of view. And the sibling, uh, the sibling rivalry is kind of interesting. Uh, biracial siblings, both, both, uh, one is an af- one is, one is a star athlete and the other is just kind of normal. But the tension in their relationship is fascinating. And uh, that's what episode two is going to talk about. So somebody else watch it so we can talk. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Next up, we're going to talk about The Prom, which is a movie that I did not see. (laughs) Just saying, didn't see it. It's an adaptation of a Broadway musical that was inspired by a real life case where a uh, high school girl wanted to go to prom with her girlfriend, and the school freaked out. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. And so the um, the um, in in the in this in this movie version, Meryl Streep and James Corden are in this terrible musical called Eleanor. <laughs> based About on Eleanor the, Franklin. Eleanor Roosevelt, and it closes on opening night because they get terrible reviews. And they're wanting to reinvent themselves and get good publicity. And then Nicole Kidman, who's a chorus girl, <laughs> um, scrolls through her iPhone and finds this case about this girl who wants to go to prom with her girlfriend and is told no. And they decide, we're going to swoop in and rescue this girl, and then everybody will love us. So that's kind of the basic premise. I'm going to tag in Allison. Yeah, it's it's basically they're they're, you know, they're going to come in and do get better PR for themselves because one of the reasons that the show was supposed to close was not that it was a bad show, but that everybody just hates them personally. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So uh, they're, they're trying to, to make people like them by, by doing something for charity. Right. So that's why they show up in this little town in Indiana and, and announce that, you know, we're liberals from Broadway and we're here to rescue you, you know, and, and, and they do all, all these big production numbers and they're just insufferable they really are i mean and what i liked is that they didn't go with the the idea that you know all these people from broadway were wonderful and terrific and and all the people in indiana were idiots um it's it's like it, there there are there are crazy people on all sides and insufferable people on all sides and really the in the middle of this are the, are the two girls who just want to go to prom and um it, I, I just thought it was it was really such a fun musical. I mean, nothing that happens in it makes 
a lick of sense. It's if you're looking for logic, you're not going to find it. Uh, but it's still just incredibly fun and funny and and sweet. And the, the music is all really catchy and they have great dance sequences and things like that. Um, and they they put Keenan Michael Key in there as the school principal. And love uh, interest for Meryl Streep. Yes, even though she's like old enough to be his mom. But we'll overlook that because we've overlooked so many things by well, now. Well, I didn't mind. But, uh, the May-December romance, I thought it was great. Kerry Washington is the evil PTA president and yes. her daughter is the closeted lesbian that our lead, that our, that our hero wants to take to prom, and there's all kinds of twists and turns and whatnot. But it's, you know, I, some people, some of the critics were very snarky, and it's like, oh, it plays like a very special episode of Glee. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. It reminded, I mean, it's got a little bit of waiting for Guffman. Tracy Ullman has a cameo. Mary Kay Place has a cameo. Uh, it's got a great message and all the, you know, you've got two Oscar winning actors in it. I was surprised Nicole Kidman was willing to take this clearly supporting role and she's terrific at it. Yeah, she is. And, and I, you know, I don't, I don't think they're wrong with the, the, you know, the, the glee description. Um, but it's still incredibly fun. I mean, remember there were like two or at least one and a half seasons of glee that were actually good and so if, if you're gonna equate it with that then you know then, then that would be great what i personally found was kind of fun is that even though this is supposed to be taking place in indiana they shot uh, all the mall scenes at the northridge plaza mall um <laughs> and it's really obvious and and they shot at least some of the well the the cafeteria scenes in the high school were shot at my high school Wow. So, uh, yeah, it's like shout out to Taft High. Um, oh, and Andrew Rannells, who won the Tony for Book of Mormons, also in it. Yes. So. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. It's just really fun. It's 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 a fun two hours. You won't waste your time. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about The Mandalorian. Ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. Thank you. And this was not really a part one of two. It was more of a setup for the finale kind of situation. It was a standalone story, but it was obviously to set up a big epic kind of finale that's coming up. Um, well, it was standalone niche. <laughs> ish, yes. And um, the big things that happened in the episode was I, as much as I found, oh, what's the dude's name? The comedian. Bill Burr. Yeah, as much as I found his prattling to the Mandalorian super annoying at first. Like, I was like, oh my god, will this guy just shut up? Uh, some of his points I thought were interesting, especially in light of the entire episode. Like, when you look at the episode as a whole, then you realize some of the stuff he was prattling at the beginning really have a lot more weight. Like, yeah. I wasn't really paying any attention. I was like, oh, this dude is so just whatever, you know? Because his whole... argue, go ahead. I would argue this this episode's kind of important, not just being the penultimate episode of the season, but also kind of establishing some key elements of where the Star Wars universe is post episode six, moving toward the sequel trilogy and possibly setting up elements for uh, for Rangers of the New Resistance, because there's there's the scene in the cafeteria where uh, Mando and Bill Burr under 
they're undercover as stormtroopers. Oh, and there's a great chase scene. There was a total homage to Sorcerer, uh, William Freakin Sorcerer in this, which is, you know, again, great shot. Rick Famuyuka knocked it out of the park again. But uh, when they're talking with this Imperial officer, and he's like, people crave order. You right. know, they want freedom. It's like, oh my gosh, you're seeing how the Empire was able to make the transition to the new order. Or right. the first yeah. I was I was expecting them to actually for him to say, let's toast to the new, new order. order. <laughs> uh, let's just get it with a hammer right there. You know, I was kind of kind of disappointed they didn't actually go there, but they came really close when he emphasized order. Right. Uh, what I what I thought was interesting, and it goes back to your point, Libya, where where there was so much prattle going on and on and on is as he's driving the uh, the transport, um, is that if you actually listen to what he's saying, it, it plays into what happens later right. when he's talking about well, yeah, you know, you believe in certain things and you're hard and fast about certain rules, but but when it comes down to it, you there's there's a line that you'll you'll need to cross if if you really if you get desperate to, enough yeah if you get desperate enough you know all those things you said that that you meant so much to you you're willing to to put aside and we see mando do exactly that right. and it's not so much you know wearing the stormtrooper outfit because that's not really i mean yes he's supposed to wear the the armor that's stuff that he uh that he earned but the main thing is to not let his face be seen and when he actually has to take that helmet off, there is a cost to him. Right. You, you can, can tell it just in his body language. He's so oh, it, tense. He's, it is. It is it. like yeah. huge. It's, it's a huge thing. And he, he, he would not have done this for anything less important. But, I mean, he's so overwhelmed by doing this. He, he can barely talk the rest right. of, of the episode until he gets a helmet back on again. Um, because it's, it's this is this goes against absolutely everything that he. he but was I also to think I also think that the fact that all the other Mandalorians are constantly taking their helmet off, because he's like meeting all these other Mandalorians and they're taking their helmets off like they're not like it's nothing. I think it's also making him doubt some of the things he was taught. What it what's important right. to be a Mandalorian, and he's realizing the whole taking your helmet off is not as important as I thought it was. Well, uh, and I think eventually we're going to get there, but you know, he was, it's, it's like the difference between it's, 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 he was raised in a particular religious sect basically. And, and he follows the tenets of that sect. Giving that up is never going to be easy. No, 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 it's not. But but I just think that the the possibility that maybe his religion, like to him being a Mandalorian is the most important thing. And him seeing all these other Mandalorians behaving a different way has opened him up to like, maybe that's not the only way, you know, right. that's all I was saying. And I think ultimately that's where we're going to go because let's face it. We all want to see more Pedro Pascal <laughs> and less helmet, but, but I think it's important that it's a slow progression Correct. towards yeah. that yeah. and that we see him evolve very slowly and the cost involved in doing that. Right, And, and I, I think, thought they handled that brilliantly. I think it's interesting. The episode title is actually The Believer. And so we're kind of left, who is The Believer? Is it Mando? Is it Bill Burr? Is it the first, is it the uh, Imperial officer? 
or all of the above. All of the above. I, I and and somewhat I like the message that Mando sent Goff Midian. Oh, at was the end. it was it nice was... and intimidating. But somebody was like, "Did he just not spoil his whole element of surprise?" And I was like, mm, "Yeah, he kind of did." But I also like how afraid Goff Midian sort of looked. Like he had well, a little he, fear. He was, he was repeating essentially back to him oh, the yeah. same message right. that that Gideon had sent him. And and you know and then the situation is now reversed where Gideon is the one with the kid, and he has to he has to wonder you know what is this guy capable of doing, and right. that he's got the chutzpah to to say my own words back to me. Right. Um, so I I really I really like that. That was that, that was, was really good. interesting. I like I can't to see a little episode. bit of fear in his eyes. That was I thought yeah. that was really nice. Uh, Peter, you haven't spoken before we wrap up. Your thoughts, real quick. No, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, the only other, the only thing I would add was that I, I, I do continually find it interesting as we see more stuff, as you guys were saying, going from the Empire, and I think it's the First Order, not the New Order. I think oh yeah, the, you're right. Yes. I think it's oh, First right. Order. But I, you know, from Force Awakens, we know that Finn um, was basically stolen as a kid to become a stormtrooper, and so that was that to me was the first time that we started to see the, the kind of inner lives of of like. I guess the grunts or the not not the clones, but stormtroopers in, in in the Empire. And so in this one, yes, the the guy that's talking to them in the cafeteria is a jerk. Yeah, he's he's terrible and everything. But there's a quick moment where Bill Burr shoots that guy, and right before all the chaos happens, like a, a storm another stormtrooper comes in with like a food tray. So like he, you know he's about to have lunch or whatever. And they kill him, um, which, I mean, they have to do with the chaos of the moment. But there was a moment to me that's like, ah, oh, you know, it's, it, they are starting to blur the line, which is good, which is that, like, I mean, for some of these people, I mean, I don't know, they were taking his kids, this is their job. Like, and I kind of like that, you know, because so much of Star Wars is basically the evil British guys are the Empire. So I'm I'm liking seeing more shading. So... Yeah. All right. Oh. Uh, well, you have one more thing? Oh, no, I said thumbs up. Okay, thumbs up. All right. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. This is on getpointradio.com, Krypton Radio. We've not been on iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Later. Bye.